Today we are starting Hebrews. We don't really know who wrote Hebrews. Now, ultimately, God wrote Hebrews, right? Uh, but he writes through human authors, authors, inspires them. But there's a lot of uh, speculation about who the author of Hebrews is, but we don't really know. Neither do we know for sure who the audience was, because Hebrews was ultimately a letter penned to a certain group of people. Uh, we can deduce from the letter itself that they were Hebrew Christians and were undergoing persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. And apparently, uh, there were some who were making the argument that they should back away from their Christian distinctiveness and return to the safer, uh, tried-and-true arms of Judaism. Uh, the argument would have been, hey, listen, you know, at the end of the day, you're a Jew. Yes, you believe Jesus is the Messiah, but, you know, you're part of the people of God. Uh, God is uh, working in and through Judaism. And so since being a Christian is putting you in the crosshairs of persecution, you know, why, that's not, you know, why endure that? Back, back away a little bit from that distinctive sect of Judaism, uh, and then you can escape uh, persecution. And so the purpose of Hebrews, uh, the, the fundamental purpose of Hebrews is to encourage those Jewish Christians not to abandon the faith. And the argument is basically uh, twofold. There's a positive and negative. And the positive is, look at all you have in Jesus Christ. Why in the world would you retreat from that? Jesus and, and what he offers in the new covenant is so much better than what we had in the old covenant. Covenant. Why retreat from that? And then on the negative side, listen, <laughs> uh, the fact of the matter is God is now at work in his son Jesus. And Judaism without Jesus no longer saves. God's not a part of that anymore. And so if you abandon Christ, what you're doing is abandoning God. And, and so you, there was a warning. You don't want to do that. Now, for us, a uh, couple of things. As we dwell upon the riches that we have in Jesus Christ this summer, uh, I think it's going to inflame our hearts and minds with how good we've got it as Christians. And I think Hebrews appropriately helps us um, prioritize our souls, right? As Jesus said, what what good is it if if a man gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? Uh, and yes, following Christ, uh, unfortunately, increasingly in our society, comes with a cost, but is a cost that is absolutely worth it. All right, Hebrews chapter 1. So today we're just going to look at the first four verses. I read, Long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. 
Now, the first thing I want to point out here is that God speaks. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. There is a cataclysmic difference of worldview between uh, the person who believes in a personal creator who cares enough about people that he actually speaks to us and the person who either doesn't believe there is a God or doesn't believe that God is personal and certainly doesn't believe that God would have actually tried to communicate to us. Uh, there are very, f I can't even think of uh, a more um, significant difference of worldview. Because on one hand, if you believe in a personal God who speaks to people, well, then you're going to be interested in knowing what that is, listening, and responding. On the other hand, you're, you, don't ex you don't think God speaks uh, you won't be uh, looking for or listening to the Word of God. And the implications of this are uh, absolutely staggering. They're unbelievable. Now, if God speaks, are we listening? That's the question. Are we listening? Now, as a society, uh, may I suggest that we're not listening and let me give you this example. So right now in um, kind of the hot topic right now is this, uh, the, the bathroom wars, right? The gender, uh, may, is gender, uh, well, so the Department of Justice has informed all of the schools they need to have gender-neutral bathrooms. And this is being resisted by some states who are saying, no way. And about a year ago, I heard a, Sometime in the last year, I heard a program on NPR. It surprised me. And it was all taken very seriously. But the person being interviewed said, well, sometimes, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I don't know what gender I'm going to be. You know, sometimes I wake up as a woman, but by lunchtime, I know I've switched and I'm now a man. And it's gender fluidity. I hadn't heard this term before. I'm neither male nor female. I'm gender fluid. So my question is this. I just use this as an example. We could use many other. But in the public arena, who is asking, hey, has God spoken on this matter? Does God have anything to say about this? What does God say? And how might we factor that in? I mean, I watch, you know, the the you listen to the talk radio and you watch the the cable news and fox news and other who's who's opening up the bible and saying hey uh has god does god say anything uh regarding this which he does as god god has words on all kinds of matters but let me just remind us of genesis chapter 1 verse 27 first page of the bible God says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God, is, uh, God has spoken as it re relates to gender. And the creator has uh, ordained two genders, male or female. And God gives us that when we're born. And our gender is not 
something, uh, God gives us a whole lot of sovereignty over our own lives, but selecting our gender is not one of them. Uh, that is the creator, uh, retains for himself the right to determine at our birth whether we are male or female. Our gender is not fluid, and it's not up for us to choose. God has spoken. Are we listening? Now, as a society, uh, D.A. Carson wrote a book one time called The Gagging of God, which I think is a great imagery. He says, we've gone beyond ignoring God. We've gone beyond even putting our fingers in our ears. We've got to a place where we're stuffing a sock in God's mouth. We're not even letting him talk because uh, we don't want to hear what he has to say. We don't want to factor his words in. And I think about Aubrey when she was a little girl. She uh, had an ingrown toenail, and I had mentioned, I wonder if I need to take you to the doctor. And a couple days later, I was inspecting her uh, ingrown toenail. It wasn't getting any better, and I was just about to say, I think we need to take you to the doctor. And she just put her finger right across my lips. I guess, and she said, don't talk about it. Don't even think about it, which I thought was hilarious. But she realized if I, if he even utters the words, then we have to grapple with them. And I think uh, so it is in large part with our society where they're not, we're not letting God speak. Think about uh, in school. I mean, what happens if in school or in, in college, uh, you bring a Bible verse to bear on the topic. Is that applauded? Uh, you might be pulled in. I mean, I was when I was in college, uh, lovingly pulled in by my professor, and he, he said, look, you can't say this stuff. I mean, this is not academic. Uh, you're, you know, I have to ding your grade here because this is, you, this is just not allowed. You can't bring, you know, God's word into the equation. God is speaking, the Bible says. Are we listening? Now, there are consequences to not listening to God. Uh, He speaks for a purpose. He's the creator, and he knows what's best for us. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Uh, I know what's good for you. I know what's good for society. I know what brings life. That's why God speaks. And so we ignore him. We gag him at our peril, right? And so unfortunately it, it you know it weighs on me that our society is not is uh is not asking what does God say about this and letting it factor into the equation because I know that the result is we suffer as a society. Well what about personally? Uh are are you listening to God? Now you're at church so I'm kind of preaching to the choir here. At a minimum, you're coming to hear the Word of God preached, right? Uh, but what about Bible reading uh, during the week, between the Sundays? And are you, uh, God has uh, given us His Word, are, are we taking the time to read it? By the way, as it relates to the debate of do we have uh, an accurately preserved Word of God, or, you know, over time have errors crept in, what resolves it for me at the end of the day is the character of God. If God took, uh, if God took the time and energy in many ways at many times to speak, uh, it certainly seems to me that God in his, uh, 
mighty power would preserve his word so that we could know it, respond to it, and uh, pattern our lives accordingly to it. So really, my confidence in the word of God really comes down to my understanding of the character of God and his desire that we know him and know him accurately. And so what does the Bible say? It says, you know, all scripture has been, is God breathed so that uh, and profitable doctrine, correction, instruction, and righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God uh, gives us the information that we need in order to uh, respond, be in a relationship with him, uh, and live a life that, that pleases him. So are you, are you listening? Are you properly um, prioritizing the word of God in your own life, exposing yourself to it, and then responding to it? The uh, Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer also. It's not enough to just know, right? We've got to put what we know in action. And so when you are exposed to the word of God, when you hear God's word, um, do you? how do you respond to it? Do you allow God's word to correct your behavior? Do you adjust the way you live? Do you allow the word of God to adjust your values, uh, I remember when I was just 20 years old, and I uh, had the opportunity while I was a college student to preach every weekend to a bunch of peers. And I remember there was uh, uh, one young young woman who uh, there was a, a biblical ethic that I had um, proclaimed right from the scriptures, and that bothered her because it ran so counter to what she was uh, being fed at school and what she wanted to believe. And it was a real hang-up to her becoming a Christian. Uh, and, and she wasn't able to give her life to Christ until she was finally willing to lay that down and say, all right, I'm going to let God tell me what is right and what is wrong and what is good and what is, what is bad. And once she was willing to do that, then she could give her, give her life completely to the Lord and enter into that joy. God is speaking. Are we listening? Now, the second point that I see just jumps out of this text is this. Jesus is God's final word. Long ago, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. There's a big contrast between the way God used to speak and the way God now speaks. In these last days, Jesus is God's final word, and it's a better word. Uh, Our knowledge of God, now, what God spoke through the prophets is the word of God, and it was right. But it um, it was piecemeal, and it was partial. But in Jesus Christ, we have God in the flesh. Uh, It's a better word. It's much more thorough. Now, everything, because Jesus is God, everything Jesus taught is the word of God and comes with the authority of God. But you know what? Everything he did as well is is the word of God. His actions are the word of God. It's a giant uh, parable. And so when we see Jesus refusing to cast a stone at the woman who's caught in adultery, or when we see him uh, with a with a cord uh, driving out the money changers from the temple, when we see him uh, asking 
uh, Zacchaeus to let him have dinner with him, even though he was a tax collector and viewed as a sinner. And when we see Jesus ultimately hanging upon the cross and dying for our sins, we see uh, God is speaking through that. We learn about uh, the character of God and the will of God. And so today, uh, post the coming of Jesus Christ, we have a better word. We have a much more complete understanding uh, of the heart and the character and the will of God. And so we are in a, in a, a much pri- a more privileged place than ever before. Well, it also means this. Here's an implication. You're, you cannot listen to God today, or you cannot hear God today apart uh, without listening to Jesus. Clear implication. Uh, one of the points that the author of Hebrews goes on to make to these uh, Jewish Christians who are being tempted to sort of with retreat from their Christian identity, he's saying, listen, God, the fact of the matter is God no longer is speaking through Judaism as a religion. What God has to say, he is now saying through his son, Jesus Christ. If you don't have Christ, you don't have God. If you're not listening to Jesus, you're not hearing God. You don't have other options. Other religions are not, you know, uh, other legitimate ways to God, which, of course, uh, we hear all the time, right? Jesus, uh, Jesus is just one way. And so you kind of, from a smorgasbord of religions, you choose the one that appeals most to you uh, or the one that you might have been uh, grown up in or are born into. That's not the teaching of Scripture. The teaching of Scripture, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And the, and the author of Hebrews here is saying, uh, it's the Son through whom Christ in these last days is speaking. By the way, this is uh, Alec Paul this week uh, invited some Mormon missionaries into his home, and he used this uh, text uh, as he explained to them, you know, Mormons believe that the angel Moroni showed up and gave Joseph Smith God's final word. What does the scripture say? In these last days, Jesus is the final word. Uh, why in the world would, you know, the, the way it used to be was an angel showed up and gave a word to the prophet. But now God himself has come and spoken. Same with uh, Islam. Islam uh, teaches that Muhammad received from an angel uh, divine words. No, no, no. That is not the biblical teaching. We, we, we have the Son. Now, let's talk about this Son. Why is he better uh, than, than the, the way past? And in this text, it gives us um, six things. First off, the Son is the heir of all things. All things... Jesus will inherit. He hasn't yet, right? He's in heaven waiting until the Father lays at his feet all creation. But at the end of the day, uh, everything, you and I, belong to Jesus Christ. God has given the Son all as an inheritance. What else about Jesus? through whom also he created the world. Uh, Jesus was the agent of creation. He's the one who actually created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God. The radiance of the glory of God. He reflects reflects the, the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. An imprint. Think of a giant, um, like a wax stamp, right? When you see Christ, you see God himself. Exact imprint of his nature. Is that said about any human? No, Jesus is totally unique. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The, if, if Jesus did not will the universe into existence, it would collapse. The entire universe exists by the will of Jesus Christ. And after making purification for sins, he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus' death is a final and sufficient payment for the sins of the entire world. Of course, we only benefit from that if we respond to his sacrifice in faith. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ has the the seat of prominence uh, with the Father. Right now he is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, but he's returning someday, right? We wait for the second coming of Christ, uh, where uh, evil will be destroyed, and Jesus will judge and then all things will be new. And we long for that. So, now this book goes on, and uh, we will look a lot more closely in the coming weeks, uh, um, unpack some of these uh, statements and truths about who Jesus is. But the point here is just, in Christ, <laughs> we have got a better word. final point I want to make uh, is this. The church reminds the world of God's words. This is a fundamental task of the church. Let me remind you of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. The Apostle Paul describes the church, the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. A pillar and buttress. I got a picture here. Here's the imagery, uh, the the big columns that hold up the roof. And so if the church is not holding up the truth in the world, what's going to happen to the truth? It's going to be lost. Uh, Who else is tasked? It's the church that is tasked with reminding the world of God's word. God has spoken, but we remind the world of God's words. And this is, this is a, a, a fundamental reason we organize into churches. And it's why every single week we open the Word of God and, and re-proclaim it, right? Preaching is only powerful to the degree that it is a re-proclamation of what God has said. When Mike talks, sometimes it's interesting, uh, but, you know, it's not powerful, it's not the word of God, but uh, and so one of my uh, my desires and one thing I try to to do is study to show yourself approved under God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want I work hard to to accurately uh, re speak uh, the word of God. 
you have a responsibility like the Bereans to listen to what I say and make sure that what I say lines up with Scripture. Uh, And if it doesn't, then, you know, challenge me on it. And I have had, at times, have had to say, you know what? Sorry, I I think I got that wrong. Um, But I want to do that uh, infrequently. So as a church, uh, yes, we we re-speak God's Word. But you do that, too, as Christians, and do it with the Spirit of God. And so as you become increasingly familiar with the Word of God, uh, out in the marketplace, in your schools, in your classrooms, in your, uh, with your neighbors and at work, very tactfully, very lovingly, um, you know, the Bible has something to say about that. You know what? You know what God said about that topic? And for some people, uh, it, is, it brings life into their death. And it's amazing to see how God uses his word uh, and, and opens people up, up to, to true life. But sometimes uh, the world doesn't want to hear what we have to say, right? The Bible has a whole lot of uh, great comforting uh, and wise instruction, but it also has, at times, it has words of challenge and words of rebuke uh, and correction. And sometimes, uh, no matter how tactfully we say it, the world does not want to hear it, and uh, and we can be persecuted and uh, as a result. But we can't give we can't give up and say, you know what, I don't want that reaction. So I'm going to only stick to the parts. Uh, uh, of the Bible that are palatable today to my audience. And we're tempted to do that. But the Apostle Paul said, I, I did not shy back from proclaiming to you the whole counsel of God. Let me read you uh, a statement from Martin Luther that I think uh, is a, a challenge to all of us. So here's Martin Luther. This is the guy that uh, 95 Theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church, not not Martin Luther King Jr. This guy came before. If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ however boldly I may be professing Christ. You catch that? You know, if I'm, if I'm proclaiming uh, the, God's word loudly, clearly, but leaving out the part that right now offends our culture, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages... There the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. See what that's saying? I feel this, and I know you do too. It's not just the preacher. I know that, the, you know, if I pick and choose, the Bible's got all kinds of things I can say that, the soci- that society will applaud me for, right? And applaud us for. And that's awesome. But we also know that the Bible has things to say that are so countercultural and so threatening. And the society wants to put the sock in our mouth, right? And so it's tempting to, to avoid those topics, 
But what Luther is saying is we have to proclaim the whole counsel of God. If I say everything except precisely that little point with which the world and the devil are that at that moment attacking. Now that always changes. Who would have thought who would have thought 20 years ago that the big issue was going to be uh, the question of male or femaleness, right? And 50 years ago, who would have thought it would have been the question of whether, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman? And, and the, the battle, you know, the battle changes, but the temptation is always there to uh, leave that alone. And so t- very tactfully, very lovingly, but you have that responsibility in the marketplace. I have that responsibility. And we need to encourage each other, right? Uh, and to be faithful to the word of God. God is speaking. Are we listening appropriately in a way that honors the word of God? Jesus is God's final word. Uh, are, we, are we being uh, faithful to proclaim that? And then are we... Are we are we being the the servants that are willing to uh, speak the full counsel of God, even even when we know it's not popular? It's part of our responsibility. It's a privilege because we know. Look, at the end of the day, we're not trying to win battles. At the end of the day, we believe God speaks for the benefit of humanity, and even though you don't want to hear it, I know it's it's good for you because it's good for me. <laughs> Even even that truth that uh, we're all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God and need to repent and change. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his, medit- on his law doth he meditate day and night. God, thank you for speaking. Uh, we receive it as the words of life. And we commit ourselves more fully to uh, responding appropriately. Uh, Jesus, we we are so thankful that uh, you have revealed God so fully in all that you did and said. And Lord, we uh, recommit ourselves to being um, re-speakers of your word uh, with love, but with boldness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.